Welcome to Slice's podcast. I'm your host, Philip Lafreniere, Chief Growth Officer at Slice. Well, we wrap up our 2019 podcast series with two really interesting guests. And together, we'll look back at 2019, some of the uh, bigger newsworthy items or the, or the pace of innovation, pace of investment. And we'll look ahead to what we hope to see in 2020. Uh, my two guests today are the Slice co-founder and CEO, Tim Atia, my boss, and Rob Galbraith. Uh, hey, Tim. And Rob Galbraith, who's a director of innovation at AF Group and the author of the book, The End of Insurance as We Know It. Uh, two people that have spent a lot of time in 2019 at global industry events, uh, and I'm sure at, at all of those events engage in many interesting conversations uh, pertaining to what's happening in the industry. Uh, so I don't think they need uh, much an introduction, but uh, gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Phil. Thank it's you. great to be here. Great to be with you, Tim. Yeah, good to see you, Rob. And um, yeah, and Rob, uh, so, you know, in, in 2019, as I think back of, of the year uh, or through the year, uh, you know, we saw yet another record year in terms of investments in insurtechs globally. By the end of October, according to Willis Towers Watson, uh, one of the trackers of, of insurtech investments, we we're already crossing the $4.4 billion mark, uh, including, you know, what they call a few uh, mega rounds. And we also saw some transactions take place. We saw an interesting acquisition by Aon just a few weeks ago. So needless to say, I think there's still a lot of interest and investment happening uh, in InsurTech. So, you know, that that's good, uh, good, good for all of us. So today we'll reflect a bit more on where we are and, and what we look for in, in the coming year. Uh, so, Rob, uh, you know, I brought up your book as, as I introduced you. So, you know, and I've, I've, I've read it. So thank you. You gave it to me at a, at a, a recent event. And, you know, I noticed you had a, a mention, uh, you know, a, a, a mention of Tim uh, at the end. So thank you for uh, for doing that. But, you know, I guess you, you've had so much uh, around you to cover as you as you wrote the book. But can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, your, your background and, and what led to the book? So I know, you know, you've had your 20 years at, at USAA. Um, so what, what prompted you to write this book and, and, and tell us a little bit about the background and, and setting up the book? Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, yeah, it was it was great to to see you uh, and and be on a InsurTech panel with you um, uh, last month. Um, so, as you mentioned, uh, I'm currently the director of innovation at uh, AF Group, uh, which is a holding company for um, several workers' compensation brands. Accident Fund uh, is our flagship brand. That is uh, what AF stands for. Um, we have several other uh, brands under that, uh, been around over 110 years uh, and trying to expand beyond kind of that singular focus on uh, workers' compensation, as well as um, looking to uh, improve our customer experience service offerings and uh, disruption within the workers' comp space, which is heavily regulated, but there's still uh, a lot of opportunities for innovation. Um, prior to that, and um, my role when I was uh, in the process of writing the book was um, as a director of underwriting research at USAA, uh, I spent a lot of time on the property side. Uh, so ensuring against catastrophic risks such as wildfires, hurricanes, uh, hailstorms, lava flow, earthquakes, you name it. And um, I met with a lot of uh, startups in my last uh, three years there, uh, really just trying to better understand uh, risk and uh, find ways to write business that Previously, folks thought were, were too high risk to be able to insure. 
um, or to be in, to ensure profitably uh, and get more intelligence. So um, looking at things like aerial imagery, um, looking at things like uh, weather forecast data and others, and then uh, certainly um, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and, and just gaining a better understanding of risk. And uh, I was blown away in a lot of these meetings with uh, the potential for so much of this technology. It wasn't one company or one specific technology, but it was just kind of the uh, the sum total of it. And I kept walking out of meetings thinking, I've just seen a glimpse of the future. That's what insurance is going to look like 10 years from now. And so it was a cool feeling. So it started very much as a personal journey, just kind of jotting down some thoughts and some notes. And uh, a year later, uh, it manifests itself as uh, an entire book that's uh, about 300 pages long. So the book came out in February of this year. Um, and it's just been tremendously successful. We're closing in on 2,500 copies sold and uh, 12 countries. I, I've been able to give talks in um, Vienna and the UK and uh, Toronto and uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil. Um, have a lot more uh, exciting engagements lined up for 2020. So um, just been kind of blown away by the success of the book. Um, and uh, yeah, it's still resonating today. Yeah, no, excellent. And you know, I I, I uh, went went through it, and you know, you touch you touch on on a lot of things that I think have you know are, make it difficult or have historically made it difficult for insurance to you know move ahead, right? The complexity of of, of coverage, language, you know, types, you know, sublimits, and you know, the expense side of of of, in, of insurance. So uh, no, you you touch on a lot of, of great things, and and Tim. Uh, you know, you've been doing some pretty innovative things in insurance. I think, you know, trailblazing for a long time. I, I had the, the privilege of, you know, doing a, a bunch or most of that uh, alongside you. So from your perspective, uh, when we look at innovation and, and Rob touched on, you know, some of the technologies that I think enable innovation, um, you know, what did innovation mean in the insurance industry, let's say 10, 15 years ago? What does it mean today? And, and as we start 2020 you know what do you think it it should mean or where where should the focus be from your perspective yeah and uh just to to go back to rob's book you know um what i liked about rob's book was that you know it actually has insurance content and and deep insurance content which sometimes is hard to find in some of the newer newer things being written about about insurance and technology uh, one of the analogies i liked in it was the analogy and i've used that sense of, of the iceberg melting and um, you know, the iceberg, you know, the iceberg's melting and uh, the, um, the incumbents are the, uh, the polar bear standing on its hind legs on the, on the iceberg. Unfortunately, we're, we're sitting in the water, you know, wearing suntan lotion with our sunglasses on, sort of waiting for it to melt. And the challenge is it is, you know, it is climate change. And it's, the question is not, you know, whether it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. And I think if you go back, for me, if you go back 10 or 15 years ago, it's about shifting business models. I think, you know, I can't remember when the first online auto policy was written, but I'm going to attribute it to a company called eCoverage, and I'm probably wrong, but it was in the, like, the dot-com wave or just before the bubble burst, and somebody wrote the first online auto uh, policy, and I don't think they actually survived the dot-com wave, but and it probably wasn't a great experience, by the way, the first time, the first online auto policy. Um, but that was it, right? So 18 years later, 20 years later, um, they're winners and losers, right? So um, companies like Allstate were number two in auto with nobody in the rearview mirror, and now they're you know dropped to number four. And companies that had 
they which they had a 10x value over are now worth more than they are and i think i think that's that's uh you know for me innovation is around shifting business models and it's interesting to see how business models will shift going forward yeah um it, and do you think like do you wh- where do you think uh the millennials fit into this and maybe tim i'll let you elaborate Right. So I think if we look at, you know, there, there's the te- technology angle. So technology is hitting the industry. And then we have very different expectations uh, from who the market is, or at least who the, the new market uh, is. You know, who are those people buying insurance uh, for the first time? So why, what, you know, do you think millennials are a major catalyst for the type of innovation? And, you know, I hesitate on the word disruption, but you know, that we're seeing today and then, you know, because of their purchasing power, where, where do you see them fitting in? It's interesting. You were with me in Hong Kong a couple of weeks ago and we were sitting with probably one of the most interesting women in technology I've, I've met, Selena Chow, um, head of Horizons Ventures, you know, listed really up, up there on the list globally uh, of uh, women in technology and has worked with, you know, everybody from, People, you know, 3D printing organs to uh, Impossible Foods to Waze. And I don't know if you caught her uh, in the meeting, but she she referred to uh, a generation. And I acted, and I think we both acted like we knew what she was talking about, but it's taken me like three weeks to catch up to her. And she talked about the Gen Cs. And, you know, um, Gen Cs are sort of a really strong force, and you see it. It's a force in consumer culture. It's people that look at creation, curation, connection, community, you know, about tech, and and it goes across um, age. And I think, you know, I think Selena mentioned in the room, and I don't want to give away the next big thing that, you know, uh, there should be insurance products focused on Gen C. And, you know, three weeks later, I'm barely caught up to her, but I, I agree with her. I think that um, I, I think Gen C is really is really what we're after, and it's not just uh, an age thing. It's just you know we live in a connected world now. Yeah, um, no, I, I I agree, and I, I I think you know we're we're seeing it. You know, we we hear about you know across across the age bands. You know, I mean my you know my my father in law who's seventy eight. You know, does does everything on on his iPad. So definitely, it's not just you know, a particular, particular age band. Rob, what, what are you seeing? You know, you, you're, you're, you're touring a lot. And of course, I think the, the people in our industry, we're all of a similar era, but there's a lot of young blood uh, coming into the industry as well. What, what, what are you seeing across, you know, generations uh, and the impact that that has, you know, on, on innovation and some of the work that you're trying to do? Yeah, I'll, I'll mention three things real quick. Um, number one is just something that we um, are working on at AF Group, which is very basic and, and foundational, but uh, is kind of revolutionary, I guess, in the insurance world. And that is setting up um, a digital distribution offering. So when somebody types in workers' compensation insurance or workers' comp in a Google search bar, um, that we show up. And, and I know that doesn't sound revolutionary for, for most folks that are outside the insurance business, but you know, in the past, um, kind of using digital marketing and SEO and um, just having people start their insurance shopping experience rather than going through the yellow pages, right, to, to find an, a local agent or, some, or seeing a billboard or, or a TV ad, things like that. Um, so I think just, you know, where millennials are, are looking for information on insurance and, and, and the channels that they, they start and expect to be in um, are very interesting. 
Um, but I also think it's important to have that human touch when they need it and, and uh, still see a lot of folks filing their claim or they have a, a claim for folks that have never experienced a claim before. It's a, it can be a traumatic experience, whether it be, you know, an auto accident or a hailstorm or something. And um, so oftentimes they're calling or, or, or looking to chat with somebody um, because they really want that human interaction just to kind of walk them through the process. And then once they they know, right? Okay, I filed a claim or whatnot. Then following their status online, things like that. So I, I think just the, the expectations. Millennials are using these tools for, you know, Amazon purchases, all sorts of other things. They expect to use the same suite of tools um, for insurance, and then they're not often there, uh, which is disappointing. Um, the second point I will make is, um, yeah, expectations are changing, and in, in, in millennials and particularly Gen Z see possibilities in, in voice technology that that you know we don't see, I use the example of, uh, we outfitted our home with Amazon echoes just over a year ago. And, you know, I'll ask it what the weather is going to be or who won the game last night. But my nine-year-old, she's like having a party in her room all the time. She has it play music. It reads her bedtime story. She even played a, a very funny prank for me where she said, daddy, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to hang up your clothes. And then when I went in the room, they're all taped to the wall. <laughs> and I said, where'd you get this idea? She said, Oh, Alexa told me that was a, a prank. Uh, and then the third thing I'll mention, you mentioned Hong Kong. I was just in uh, Brazil last month and it really struck me because they had a whole panel at the conference I was at um, on the difference in the generations. And so it just, I guess, maybe you know, somewhat obvious in retrospect, but um, these are, are uh, generational differences that we're seeing all over the globe, right? Not just uh, here in the, the United States or, or Canada and Western Europe. And, and I think everyone is still struggling to um, adapt to the uh, consumer. And Gen Z was a big part of... Uh, the focus of that conversation. So um, shifting consumer expectations are, are happening uh, faster and faster, and it's hard for an already sluggish industry to keep pace. So do we think as we, you know, you brought up, you know, the buying experience, uh, both of you did, um, you know, I think we're seeing another trend that I'm, I, I saw a lot of being written about uh, this year and, and even some events fully dedicated to that has to do with, let's say, um, you know, e ecosystems. So do we think, you know, is 2020 the year that, you know, InsureTech uh, becomes more ingrained in, in ecosystems and involving other types of, of technology and service providers? And I know, Tim, you've got, you know, you, you often talk about, you know, some of these examples. Are we, are we going to see something tip or the scales start to tip uh, in, in 2020 uh, around that? And, and, you know, feel free to talk. I mean, we, we had a, a fairly exciting uh, announcement uh, just late last week. I think that that really speaks to that. But Tim, you know, do you think we're going to see a shift in, in 2020 with some real things happening uh, along that vein? Yeah, I think it's along the lines of what Rob was talking about in terms of consumer expectations, right? Uh, people, consumers don't care about our insurance process, right? They don't care about submission, quote, bind, issue, endorse, cancel, rewrite, renewal, out of sequence endorsements, et cetera, et cetera. They, that's, they, uh, they care about um, you know, what's happening in their lives and some journey they're going through that's meaningful to them. So I think it's, cha it's a challenge for us to make insurance a good buying experience because really it should be part of another experience and we should be protecting another experience that people care about. So, you know, you tap on a button and a car shows up, can't be tap on a button, fill out 20 pages, call a call center, you know, wait two weeks for a bunch of paper to get mailed back. So um, I think more and more we are going to see, similar to our, our announcement with Microsoft, that, that these products will be embedded um, in and protect other uh, customer journeys that people, that people care about. 
And, and Rob, are you seeing you seeing the same? Is that your your sense as well? Yeah, I mean, I would hate to say that you know it's it's all going to magically happen in 2020, but certainly it's it's gaining momentum, and um, I think more mature startups uh, such as Slice and, and others are really gaining a lot of momentum now. Um, I think it's becoming more clear to folks that you know these are not fly by night uh, companies or startups that are going away and. Uh, you know, Lemonade just came out with their transparency chronicles from uh, the, their three years. And um, obviously lots of disparate opinions on, on Lemonade. Some love them, others hate them. I don't know that anybody can stay neutral. But uh, one of the things that I, I found remarkable in there was they mentioned that in some states, they've already uh, achieved 10% market share uh, for renter's insurance. And so to be able to do that in, in three short years, I think is a pretty remarkable achievement. Um, so I, I just see it more and more. We, we've touched on some of the um, exits um, that we've seen recently where you, you've got these acquisitions. And so I think, um, yeah, it, it's kind of a recognition that for those that have a compelling value proposition and a, a, a maturing business model, doesn't have to be fully mature, um, that they're not going away anytime soon. Then one other thing I'll mention is, um, and, and you know, you guys know this very, very well, there's I, this is greatly simplifying it, and it's, it would be doing an injustice to, to, to only call this out as part of the kind of insure tech movement. But really three things I think that are, are pushing us towards kind of on-demand or embedded insurance. So number one is just this proliferation of cheap sensors, and they might be in the bumper of your car, they might be smart home devices, and they might be in your, your workplace and, and, and elsewhere. Um, but we can collect all sorts of information today in a way that we couldn't before. And so we now know that that 18-year-old single male, uh, while, you know, as a group, may be a worse driver than a 35-year-old married female. Uh, but we can say for that individual, you know, maybe he is a very good driver. And that 35-year-old female, you know, in particular, maybe that person is, is not such a great driver, you know, is, is not a good insurable risk. So we don't need to make these broad generalizations anymore the way we've done. And then certainly cloud, right? So you have all this big data that's streaming from these sensors and that's all being stored in the cloud where storage might've been a big issue before. Um, it's no longer a, a, an issue. Um, storage is cheap today. And so um, you can collect this, you know, tons of information about exposures and risk. And then the third, of course, is AI. Um, you need somebody to process all that data. It's not something that a human can kind of look at and, and make some calculations in a spreadsheet. Uh, but when you measure all those things, that kind of points to a more, you know, real-time on-demand world rather than, um, you know, having to go through three to five years of, of history and building out a bunch of loss triangles and pricing a product and waiting to change your price every two years the way we've, we've done it in the past. Yeah, so that that uh, th thanks for for sharing that. That brings me back to kind of let's say in in, in closing, right? We we started off with your book, uh, you know, and I, I've been at some events with you where I think people get taken up on the first part of the title, right? The end of insurance, and you know, you 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 boldly put the end in in red, and and I I hear you often mention that it's you know it's really the last three four words that matter, which is as we know it, right? So uh, you know, the end of insurance as we know it really speaks to, you know, the change, right? So it's change and, and, and we've talked today uh, about a lot of potential change and, and change that we're seeing right now. So just in closing, maybe we'll start with Tim and then wrap up with you, Rob. So as, as we enter 2020, um, what would you like to see more of uh, over 2019, you know, in terms of, um, you, you know, if we reflect on 2019, now we enter 2020, you know what, what? What do you what do you hope to see more of? And maybe we'll we'll start with you, Tim. 
Sure, sure. And, and, and I think a lot of the the uh, shifts we're seeing in, in, in 2020 won't be felt until 2030. It is, it is uh, insurance and it does take a, it does take a while and it's going to be hard. It's hard to see it with foresight, a lot easier to look at it with hindsight in, in 2030. But I think a focus on, on protection, I mean, insurance is, you know, always, I found it a very loaded word word and it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of depth and history and, sometimes gets tied all the way back to, you know, um, you know, ISO forms and regulation and so forth. But I think if I focus on, on protection, filling some of the protection gaps, um, of course, um, there is a lot more data. There are a lot more real-time signals. Uh, more and more, I think, there is more and more of a gap uh, caused by the new economy. So I think, you know, m- new products, I think more, or innovation on products, um, products that can be real time and can rip respond to real time signals. Um, you mentioned uh, our announcement earlier, being able to react to something like Secure Score and knowing that two factors not turned on or uh, patch hy- hygiene is bad because you know on Tuesday at midnight you didn't patch your system. Uh, but I think it is about protection, and if we can back up more and more, if we start more and more having the discussion about tw- uh, protection in 2020. I think then it'll be, uh, from my perspective, a good year. Excellent. And Rob, what's your parting shots on the 2019 and going into 2020? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, kind of at the end of 2019, we're starting to see, you know, some more of these these acquisitions and exits, some talk of um, IPOs. So certainly, um, you know, I think that's kind of interesting, right, um, that you're, you're starting to really see um, the tangible kind of value being recognized by the marketplace and and we'll continue to see that in 2020 partnerships again that's been huge so far a lot of announced partnerships but i think they're starting to get real traction right this isn't just um a bunch of press releases and people are announcing but you know some of these these uh partnerships between startups and traditional companies are starting to take hold not all will succeed but i think some are um, really becoming more strategic partnerships, I would say, rather than just a, a nibbling at the margin. And then the third is the question I keep seeing floated out there all over, right? Where's the disruption? Where's the disruption? Where's the disruption? And I think exactly to Tim's point, you know, it's it's not going to be a flip the switch. It's not going to be that all of a sudden, you know, we wake up tomorrow and we say, oh, that was disruptive. It, it probably will take that hindsight, as he mentioned, kind of 2030 looking back and saying, wow, you know, this was a really seminal time at the end of the the 2010s and going into 2020 and, and beyond. Um, I guess a, a, a parting thought in terms of what I'd like to see. Um, I agree with Tim, you know, it really starts with the protection that, that you know, people will always want that downside protection against loss. Um, but I'd love to see more value-added services, more prevention rather than kind of, you know, reactive, you know, helping you after the bad thing happened. Um, and there's so many possibilities out there in terms of just managing your uh, life mm-hmm. or your business more uh, proactively. Um, so. I don't think we should just try to um, use new tech to um, deploy old products, if that makes sense, in a new way. Uh, but kind of rethink the products from the ground up in terms of you know what they what they can do. There's so many more possibilities. So I, I feel like sometimes um, you know just the industry in general is looking to kind of add a fresh coat of paint to the industry, but they're not fundamentally rethinking the products in the way that they should. And obviously, uh, you guys uh, help companies do that, and have been a, a forerunner. Uh, in that space. So congratulations on your success to date and uh, best of luck for 2020. Great. Well, hey, uh, guys, that was really, uh, really good and entertaining. You know, just uh, like, you know, we touched on 
kind of where where we've come and as we look at 2020 and and Tim you talk about you know protection and, and new product added services uh, that was really good and in, in, in my view it's it's going to be those things that are going to really uh, in some way give the opportunity to change the perception of, of insurance to to the consumer right uh, the the end consumer uh, has the opportunity with all these these new things as the opportunity to really get a, a new per- perception of, of what insurance is. And, and like Tim said, you know, as it gets embedded into other experiences, you know, just the, the perspective uh, will be good. So I wanted to say, and, and, you know, we, we managed to um, have our entire podcast without talking about blockchain. So that, that's also another another win uh, for, for us all. But anyways, uh, I wanted to say uh, thank you. It's been great to reflect on, you know, 2019. And I think... Uh, 2020 looks to be another very busy year, and I'm sure we'll all see each other at, at some of those great uh, industry events. Uh, so thanks to both of you. That's the podcast. I'll wrap it up. And uh, thanks to both of you. And I wish you a great uh, holiday season and look forward to uh, seeing you and interacting and changing, uh, exchanging ideas together uh, as we uh, kick off 2020. Thank you both. Likewise. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Rob.